0: Bass Edge, Bass Edge Radio Kicking It Off. Presented by Megaware Keel Guard. Protect your boat from harmful rocks and road debris. Make sure you visit Keelguard.com. Aaron what other kind of products do they have a keel guard?
1: Well, they've got the flex step, the Skaguard. Of course, the Skaguard is one that everybody needs because if you're like me, when you pull out of your garage and forget to raise your motor up, you're going to drag and make a nice scar on the bottom of your skeg and your concrete. But you know what? As you said, Kurt, you can check them out. Don't take my word for it. Be sure to visit their website at keelguard.com.
0: Yeah, dude, I'm all about the flex step. Moving up in age, getting old, easy in and out of the boat with that flex step. So, uh, dude, we're ready to rock on. We got. Bass Edge Radio. Let's move.
2: In 2000, perfected over years of testing and real world punishment. The Power Pole is the ultimate shallow water boat positioning tool. Swift Power Pole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent Power Pole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to eight feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Power Pole Swift Silent Secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio. In three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing. Coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios.
1: Kurt. It is my time of year as, uh, you know, we're kind of in those officially in that summer haunt, some deep fish, still a few shallow fish, I think, but uh, you know where I'm going to be found, and that's looking for concentrations of bass in the deep, cool
0: water. Yes, sir. There is uh, definitely going to be lots of fish down deep. Finding them here at Amistad Deep is definitely a way to go. The shallow bite this time of year just gets way too inconsistent. You can fish for hours, get a bite or two, and then go hours without getting a bite. And utilizing those electronics we talk about often, um, super critical this time of year to find some concentrations of fish. Tactics are really important too. You know, it seems like early summer, bigger baits are often catching most of of the fish, the fish are just getting out to some of the deeper water. Still a lot of fish shallow, of course, but the fish that are just coming out, they're susceptible. Big cranks, uh, big swim baits, you know, a lot of big bait type stuff. I really find that as the water really starts heating up, you know, down here in Texas, we're mid-80s and it's been hot for several weeks and uh, even up north, you know, you're starting to hit water temps in mid-70s. Spawn's long gone, smallies moving out deep, largemouth moving in deeper grass beds, getting on edge. Edges more relating to deeper water. Smaller baits seem to be more productive this late in the summer. Keep that tip in your back pocket because you're going to catch more fish. You're still going to catch big fish on those small baits too. But it seems like, you know, the fish are eating, but they're not really chasing as much. And so sometimes a slower presentation in worm fishing, drop drop shotting, shotting. those seem to be really critical when you're in this mid, almost now getting into late summer summer time frame.
1: Don't forget, too, Kurt, obviously we have a tremendous amount of the audience base just by the feedback that we get. They're not only out there during the daytime, but there's a lot of people just because of the heat that take to the lakes and rivers at night, which is really kind of how I cut my teeth. And uh, certainly the conditions are at least much more comfortable, but there's a lot of big fish to be had in the nighttime.
0: You know, I'm not a big night guy. I tend to rise and set with the sun. So what kind of baits do you like to use? night, Aaron, that seemed to be super productive.
1: It's funny you bring that up because I've really gotten away from it myself, but man, there was years and years that about 98% of my bass fishing was done at the nighttime and and predominantly on a reservoir, Lake of the Ozarks, which is kind of in uh, central Missouri, but, you know, and that was just out of necessity and safety because that lake is just laden with giant boats and, you know, you were like a bobber out there, so we were forced to basically go out at night when all those boats were done partying and drinking, we could actually get get out on the lake and and actually go fish, but I'm really looking for brush piles. Most of them are going to be man-made that are planted, and that lake is just filled with brush piles, but back in the day, you know, I would throw a big 10-inch plastic worm, the old, uh, you can't forget that, the tried and true. I'm going to throw a tube, and then certainly a uh, big critter bait on a, you know, big three-eighths or or a half-ounce weight, and just working it through those brush piles that are off the edges of those docks, and and normally you would find those, the, the most active fish to be in about 12 to 25 feet of water. Once you start getting a bite and getting a response, then you just try and duplicate that around the lake.
0: Yeah, going ahead and pattern those night fish. It seems like night fishing is really good on clear lakes. So uh, if you're around some clear lakes, haven't tried night fishing, hey, this is a great time to do it. We are going to do something a little bit different again here because we're moving into the pro tip from protecttheharvest.com.
3: Hey everybody, this is Pro Angler Kevin Short, and you stay right here with Aaron and Kurt on Bass Edge Radio.
1: And it is time for another Pro Tip of the Week brought to you by our friends at ProtectTheHarvest.com, keeping our traditions alive for future
0: generations. Today's tip answered by Sweetwater Television co-host Miles Sonar Burgoff. Miles, what is a finesse tactic bait that you use to put fish in the boat when the bite is tough? Ooh, I'm not even sure if I wanna answer this question on air.
3: Actually, over the last couple months I've stumbled across a secret that the Midwest guys have really been holding close to their chest and uh that's the Ned Rig. You can fish it with different products. I got introduced with from Z-Man. They make the whole system. They essentially have a small jig head, really tiny. The one that Z-Man makes that I like a lot is their finesse Shrooms Jig Head. And it's essentially just a little uh, mushroom head jig, but it's a really tiny. Okay. They make it in one 10th, one fifteenth, 15th, and one 6th ounce. And I use all of them different ways. And then paired with that little tiny jig head, you get this little tiny bait that looks kind of like a, a little tiny Senko called the finesse TRD that they have. And they also have a little, one that's a little bit longer that has some tassels on the end. It's called the hula stick. And you're essentially just rigging it like a shaky head but it's a much different fall. You fish it a little bit different. And when I talk to people, I tell them that you fish it more like a tube, like a finesse tube. For instance, the glide, it's really has this really seductive kind of tube-like glide that kind of spirals down on the fall. And then when it hits the bottom, because you're using that human elastic plastic, it's really buoyant. So it actually stands up on end with that little uh, mushroom jig head. And fish just love it. And I've caught all different species of fish. And I've caught them in all different places. It's my go-to bait when it comes to any kind of clear water area or highly pressured area. For instance, Lake Havasu. I went skipping docks with this thing, saved my tournament, got some good points. And then I fished a tournament on Lake Orville in Northern California, known for its spots, but I actually caught a limit of largemouth fishing this thing around timber. And I actually Texas rigged it. Now, when you look at it, there's not a big gap on that hook. So you're just like, well, there's no gap there when I text the surrogate. It actually really does work that way. And uh, it can really be thrown in a whole bunch of different scenarios. But traditionally, it's an exposed hook technique, and it's made for more open, light cover situations. But really, I have been experimenting big time with it. The fish just love it. And I think it's because they're not afraid of it. It's something that's so small, so diminutive, that they really don't have a problem just sucking it up, even if they're extremely high-pressured and you can't catch them any way. The Ned Rig has really transformed my fishing, and it's given me a tool that I can use to catch, you know, my fifth fish or even as my primary technique in really highly pressured waters. And it's a really exciting technique.
0: there you have it. That's today's pro tip brought to you by protecttheharvest.com, keeping traditions alive for future generations.
2: Two fishermen came together with one agenda. To construct bass boats, superior in design and build with a flawless finish. With our boat's exhilarating handling and smooth ride, extreme rough water just doesn't exist. We're not just building a boat, we're building a legend. Legend Boats.
0: I'm not sure why, but this year we are definitely on record pace in chatting with pro anglers that have never been on the podcast. It's exciting, and today is no exception, as we enjoy another chat with a Bass Edge rookie. Although his second year with the BASS Elite Series, Mike Kernan is on today's program. Thanks for joining us, Mike. You bet. Glad to be here.
1: Well, Mike, you and I certainly have a mutual connection (laughs) and uh, have talked prior to the show through David Rush, but I'm excited to have you on here because for those that might not know you, Provide us a little bit of history of your bass and beginnings. After all, you've been around the game on a regional level a very long time, and were really one of the elder rookies on the Elite Series last year.
3: I've always been consumed with bass fishing, definitely since junior high. But even before that, fishing off the bank, fishing farm ponds, you go through life uh, realizing that some people have the fishing bug and some don't. Just enjoy fishing. Well, I definitely have the fishing bug. started at a young age. I remember bugging my dad for six months to buy a boat until he bought a boat. So we enjoyed uh, having a boat since I was in junior high. My dad read Bassmaster Magazine all the time and we'd go out and try whatever new techniques uh, were in in the magazine. So it was a neat time. Publications were coming out. More media was coming out about bass fishing and we were in the age that was reading that and learning that and going out and trying it right off at that time. And you know what's neat is we're still at that age and people still have that opportunity to do that but we have so many more opportunities like our advanced electronics now. But anyway, I went through that route. Uh, I did go ahead and I went to school, got a college education and got a CPA and worked at an insurance company for the uh, last 15 years before joining Bassmaster Elite Series. And yeah, I just came to a point in my other career where I was ready for a change and and that change either needed to be a uh, change in company, a change in pace, but the invitation to Elite Series came up and I thought, well, what the heck, let's give it a try. And uh, fortunately, I was financially stable enough to where I didn't really have to worry about retirement anymore so I could go do this. I always tell people. There's two really good times to start fishing professionally. That is when you're young and can live out of the back of the truck and eat ramen noodles, or if you're on the <laughs> other side and is pretty
0: much already
3: retired and uh, and you can go do this and have fun with it.
0: Well, that's awesome, Mike. You know, looking at your website, you got a great website, by the way. You can see that you just weren't beating the farm ponds and all those kind of things before you qualified for the Elite Series. I mean, you had a ton of success on some of Texas's biggest circus, Bass Champs, and uh, you've done some TV shows shows in the past, and you really had a lot of interesting steps that you've taken to get to the point where you're at. And moving kind of into the here and now, what exactly is going on? It looks like you've got some TV shows coming up, and of course your GoPro is your title sponsor for the Elite Series, but let's talk about the TV show first. What type of show can we look forward to seeing and we're going to be able to catch it on television?
3: One of the things I'm working on is involvement with uh, Honey Hole All Outdoors. Uh, Right now, uh, Honey Hole's got a great host with Bill Wilcox, but Bill does one new show every week for 52 weeks. So you can only imagine how tiring that can become. And if you look at TV, you can get a season in 13 episodes. And so what I wanted to do this year is get some footage using my GoPros at the remaining opens that I have and edit that footage. So that it can be used on the Honey Hole All Outdoors website on their YouTube channel. And uh, that's going to be the introduction is basically through the YouTube channel. And then what we're doing is we're basically priming the audience for basically seeing my face, uh, what I'm going to do, how I'm going to set up a show, and it's going to be more along the lines of how do I prepare for a lake, and then go out and apply some of those techniques and show the users the results of my practice and how I went about it. So that's what we've got lined up for Honey Hole, and I'm kind of looking forward to it, but for 2015, really all we've got is some uh, pilot episodes, if you would, on their YouTube channel. Well,
1: Mike, you know, one of the things that really intrigues me is, you alluded to it at the beginning, is, is how this information aid has kind of evolved and and certainly the GoPro camera has added to that. I'm curious to know beyond just helping the viewer and the angler that's out there, has the GoPro helped you in kind of evaluating your fishing day or or your time on the water? Is that something that you go back and and look and watch and critique yourself or realize that gives you or tips you off to new ideas to improve your skill?
3: I think it's a great question, Aaron, but unfortunately, uh, I'm sure Kurt can probably agree with this, is once you fish so much and you start fishing at Lake Series, your fundamentals are solid. If they're not solid, you just won't last. Your effort now is spent on learning the lakes and the situations on the lakes across the country. So that's where the growing pain is in this game. It's, it's the new body of water. It's the tides. It's low water. It, it's all the new factors you have to deal with. The GoPro, though, in my opinion, would be a great tool for tweaking your fundamentals say, a hook set, let's say, uh just recapping what you're doing during the day. But I think for us at this level, I think it's more about the media presence with the GoPro.
1: That's a great response.
0: So true. You know, it's interesting how you're talking about with the uh, Honey Holes YouTube series that you're working on and how you're going to be able to show the viewers how you attack a new lake. Because honestly, for the weekend angler that gets out, 10 or 15 times a year, even if it's on his home lake, he's really attacking a new lake every time he gets out there. So to be able to, to utilize um, not only the technique fundamentals that you refer to, but even also the uh, fundamentals of finding bass, patterning fish, bass behaviors, those are all so critical and being able to apply those on a daily basis for, like you mentioned, Mike, uh, you know, elite series anglers, but also for the recreational angler that only gets out there you know, maybe 5 or 10, maybe 15 times a year year. All right. Talking a little bit about seasonal patterns, we're right smack dab in the middle of the summer. You spend a lot of time over your career fishing all the Texas waters and honing your skills. What is the best way for an angler to attack this challenging time of year, Mike?
3: Summer brings heat, and heat is what you have to be very aware of with bass. Heat affects the way water carries oxygen, and fish absolutely need two things. They need food and they need oxygen. And so when the water's cold... You're basically basing uh, fish location on food source, and if they're uh, getting ready to spawn, spawning areas. However, when you shift to a summer pattern, now you're looking at food source and oxygen source. And so, uh, you know, typically on a on a reservoir, depth is going to give you cooler water temperatures and the cooler water temperatures will carry more oxygen so not only do fish like the cooler water but they need it because it's the only place that they can get enough oxygen to live so on reservoirs we're looking deeper so Texas is full of reservoirs summertime you are looking deeper there still usually is a decent morning bite but that morning bite is going to be a onesie twosie bite you are going to catch one here one there and uh, they're going to amount to a weight that doesn't often win an event so reservoirs, you have to go deep. Current also carries more oxygen. Current keeps the water cooler. And so if you're on bodies of water where a lot of current is moving, you're going to focus on your areas with current and possibly depth. Mike, how does the vegetation play into that? Vegetation basically is like an umbrella. It's going to provide some shade and some cover for the fish, which, you know, bass are ambush fish, so they're going to want vegetation if they're in the shallows. And if you're fortunate enough to be on a body of water that has deep vegetation, you, you certainly better focus on that during summertime.
0: Good stuff, Mike. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back, and we're going to talk some more summer bassing with Mike Kernan here on Bass Edge Radio. Sign up to become an O'Reilly O Rewards member today and start earning instantly.
2: O Rewards members earn $5 back for every $150 they spend, so if you haven't become a member yet, what are you waiting for? It's fast, easy, and free. O Rewards, it's your road to exclusive offers only at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. See store for details. O, oh, O, oh, O, oh, O'Reilly Auto Parts.
1: Bass Edge Radio returns with BASS Elite Pro Mike Kernan in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. Lucas Oil high-performance marine products. From real oils to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturer's requirements, visit them at lucasoil.com it works.
0: All right, guys, we're going to go back to catching some summertime bass here. Of course, it's mid-July. It's almost a topic to avoid because it can be so frustrating to see fish on your locator, but not be able to get them to bite. Mike, you talked about that a little bit earlier in the program about the deep water fish, and that's really where the comfort play is this time of year you know if you're locating bass and you're seeing them on their on your electronics how do you deal with a situation where you see fish but you can't catch them
3: well that's an interesting question kirk because i just experienced that myself on kentucky <laughs> lake <laughs> and uh you know what i should have gone through water faster during practice. Uh, what happened is I focused myself on the uh, New Johnsonville area, and although there was a couple of groups of fish down there, there wasn't a whole lot that was willing to bite. There was a whole lot. I saw a whole lot on the graph, but there was not a whole lot willing to bite. And to get them to bite, you know the drill. You have to go through 10, 15 baits and try and get them active. And, uh, you know, it's so much easier when you pull up on one group. And you can tell on the graph when they're active. You know, you look at it and you can say, hey, first cast, I'm catching one.
0: Let's go back real quick because that's a great point. What are you looking at or what are you seeing if you can kind of verbalize that on your graph that's telling you these are probably bass and they're active fish?
3: Yeah, what I see is uh, I'm using a Lowrance uh, 12-touch unit on my boat, and what I see on that graph is a group of fish – on the bottom, let's just say that they're positioned about three or four fish apart, each blip on the bottom. Let's just say that we run across an area and there's seven fish right on the bottom and there's another level of fish right above them, say five or six blips, and uh, maybe one fish above that. It's always nice to have some bait in the water column as well. In this particular case on Kentucky Lake, I did not see a lot of bait in the water column, but I could still see the active fish so you don't always have to see the bait. But what I described with fish on the bottom and fish right above them, you can tell when they're going to fight on the first cast.
0: Gotcha. So then dealing with that situation, you were talking about going through kind of a progression of baits and moving around a little bit more. So do you think if they're in a position where they look aggressive, but you you go through a a process of five or six different presentations, is it better just to move on or stick with it? What's your thought process? Well, I'm teaching you something that I just had to learn myself just at Kentucky Lake. And that's the thing
3: about the Elite Series. It's like I spent a whole lot of money on my college education, but I've already got more invested in my fishing education. So I'm sharing with you one uh, learning point that uh, you know, <laughs> right. cost me $10,000. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, uh, what I would do the next time I encountered fish not biting is I would spend a whole lot less time on them. I would break the lake into thirds and fish the next third of the lake to see if those groups of fish are more willing to bite. Is it safe
1: to say, Mike, too, because I've noticed this when drop shotting and, and fishing vertical, maybe throwing a spoon or an actual drop shot over those, I almost had to go to a power Type of what I consider power drop shotting to where if you get the tire kickers that are rising and and just really don't react, you can't get emotional to any piece of real estate out on the body of water, and you better go to a different school because chances are you want those ones that are going to be really really active and somewhere on the lake they are biting. Is that a fair statement?
3: That is a very fair statement, and to the point because you want to leave those fish and go catch other fish that are more willing to bite, but you don't want to forget about those fish because they will return and they will set up to be active again.
0: Gotcha. Good stuff. Well, we got a few questions here, Mike. We're going to move into you know really pertaining to Elite Series stuff, and, and this question we actually posed to a Chris Zaldane in our last episode. Being a new angler to the Elite Series, I mean, you're in your sophomore year, and I know that you've been a fan for many, many years, we're definitely seeing a shift in the consistent anglers on tour. Of course, we're still seeing flashes of old-school bass guard, but there is a new Crop of anglers that are really starting to get a lot of momentum and, and really starting to take over a little bit. What do you feel is really causing the shift in the paradigm? Because bass fishing is a sport that age doesn't really have a whole lot of factor toward. What do you think is causing the shift as far as who is being successful? And we're kind of seeing these new crop of anglers come in to the Elite Series and, and be more consistent.
3: Well, first of all, don't add years to me. I'm only forty seven now. Well, you're sixty. I understand you think I'm older.
0: <laughs> you're so knowledgeable, Mike. I figured it had to take <laughs> more years to get that
3: knowledge. <laughs> uh, well, uh, you know, I, I think we have a set of tools nowadays that – give anglers an edge over guys that learn this sport without all those tools. It's real similar to, you know, the industry that I came out of, the computer industry. People aren't always willing to learn the new stuff. Holds true in our sport. If you are willing to learn the new stuff, you can definitely reap the rewards from that knowledge. So I think that anglers, just like legs, cycle angler cycle and when an angler gets into their groove it is hard to beat them on any body of water Uh, they're reacting uh, more timely they're reacting more correctly things happen and the ball starts rolling so to speak and you gain that momentum I think that that can shift from someone that's 25 years old and it can shift right back to someone that's 50 years old. And so I think as long as the angler is willing to acknowledge that, hey, I'm on a roll, I'm going to keep shooting from the hip and making the decisions that feel right to me, I think they can stay in that zone for a while. So uh, I think I touched on that, Kurt, but uh, what do you think?
0: I think it's a really good analysis of, of some of the changes that are going on, which, you know, we talked a little bit previously about the U.S. Open several weeks back and you got Jordan. Spieth, this new guy, won the Masters. Now he's won the U.S. Open. If you look at the lineup 10 years ago of the PGA Stars, there's a huge shift going on. You know, there's a a whole lot of different young guys that are coming up, and it's not like the guys that have been on tour for 15 years aren't great, awesome golfers. But for some reason, there's that little edge that some of the younger generation is really teeing up, and they're starting to make huge names for themselves. And I see the same thing in bass fishing. I
3: think one thing that is going to even increase that more in the future, Kurt, is all of the the high school bass fishing leagues, all of the college bass fishing leagues, the scholarships now at the collegiate level. I mean, all that is going to change our sport even more in the future.
1: No doubt. And it's kind of like, not to go back too far, but Roger Bannister, you know, with uh, the mile and, and breaking that four minute barrier. You know, it's like once a rookie, and I don't mean a rookie in comparison to age, but a rookie new to the elite series, once they see that you can move up in your freshman and sophomore year and you can break into the ranks, that's just going to be an inspiration for more people to do the same. So I think it's a little bit of that effect as well as as the thing that you guys mentioned. You know, Mike, one of the things I want to point out is there's a lot of characteristics that it takes to be successful on the Elite Series or at you guys' level. And one of them that really stand out is resiliency. And and certainly that has been demonstrated both in your professional business career as well as your angling career. And what I would like to know is we've got a few events left on the Elite Season, and you're kind of sitting in some interesting territory in the standings with lots of fishing remaining how are you going to attack the remainder of the season you know here we are july 15th on out what's your approach to that
3: you know i've definitely in my opinion have had a horrible year so far and the interesting thing is you know year two i started out my year looking at the lakes and making some plans and you know what i ended up finding was that i've got really good friends on some bodies of water that really were going to help my knowledge with that body of water and another expensive lesson you know if i have a bad event i'm definitely breaking it down afterwards and trying to hit the highlights of what can I change, what did I do that put me in this position, and how can I be better the next time out? And so a couple of the things that I've evaluated was on Bodies of Water where I've had friends that were very good not just average not just you know weekend guys I mean very good on some bodies of water I did horrible on them and uh, a couple of things come into mind first of all a good conversation with someone who's very knowledgeable is extremely helpful but when you get beyond a good conversation it becomes hindering more than helpful let me just give you an example when you start off on day one of practice on two and a half days on a body of water you don't have a whole lot of knowledge about. If you don't start out with your back up against the wall and you are in a bind needing to find fish, if you don't start out with that attitude, then you are doing injustice to yourself. And so for me, what I've learned so far is that general conversation is great, but beyond that, I'm going to go find my own fish. I'm going to do my own tactics. I'm going to learn where they are, and I'm going to catch the fish that I can catch getting help is good but what you'll learn is that a lot of the guys have already learned what I just learned the hard way. They've learned that yeah those general conversations that's where you need to keep that.
1: Well and don't you think Mike uh, that some of that is is being reactive versus proactive so you're always kind of uh, trying to catch up versus going out and anticipating. It's kind of like that quarterback throwing the ball to where the receivers going versus where he's been.
3: I think that's a lot of it but I think more of it uh, Aaron is just the mentality that I'm showing up on a lake and I've got nothing. I have better get it together and I better make these two-and-a-half days last seven. Yeah. A lot of it is mental.
0: Sounds like a great plan of attack. Mike, we're both sitting in a little bit of precarious position points-wise, and man, I certainly hope that we can both step it up and make some noise here in these last three events. So I'm excited about it. I tell you, it's time again. We talked about a little bit earlier, Mike, the listener question segment, and certainly we're in a partnership with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. And, Mike, every episode we give away $100. O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card to a listener question that we chose to have on the show. And this question was sent in by Steve Thatcher from Louisville, North Carolina. And Steve poses this question. When it is mid-90s and humid on underwater ledges, rocks, and sunken structure like laydowns, If you had to pick what baits to use, what would be a good bet?
3: Good question. We touched on it a little bit earlier about heat, about oxygen. And, you know, I think that I would be favoring the deeper water, the deeper structures, ledge, as you mentioned. I would give ledges a very valid opportunity to produce. And on that ledge, uh, if I'm going to pick one bait, I'm going to pick a Strike King football head jig. With that jig, I can keep it on the bottom, I can keep it in the strike zone, or I can stroke it through a school so I can get an active fish fired up. I can do a few more things with that jig than I can with, say, a Strike King 8 XD where I'm focusing on a specific depth. So if I'm picking one bait, I'm picking a football head jig. If the ledges don't work, then I'm shifting to shallow. And if, I'm under a a unique situation where I still only have one thing, that football head jig will still work swimming in those situations. Well, Mike, real quickly, talk about why
1: you're using the football head versus, say, a flipping jig, and then uh, briefly on the weight of the head and why you're choosing those weights under different scenarios on those ledges.
3: Sure, the football head jig, it's set up, the head, the tie, it's set up to deflect off of rocks and structure more easily and more tangle free than just, say, a flipping jig. If you're going to flip a jig in, your tendency is to get hung up more often than you are with a football head jig. Now, when we Talk about the weight of the jig. If you look at a scale of finesse to reaction, the weight of the jig is on that same scale. Lighter the jig, more finesse. The heavier the jig, more reaction. I am always going to fish for the reaction fish first. And so I'm starting off with an ounce ounce and a quarter, football head jig, and that's where I'm going to be until I determine that I shouldn't be throwing something that heavy. Good
1: stuff there. So it kind of goes back to exactly what we talked about before, going after the active fish first, and then if we need to scale back, certainly do so. Well, Mike, thanks so much for answering that question for Steve, and I am sure, Steve, you're going to be trying those options very, very soon. Congratulations, Steve, for having your question answered on the show. Be sure, don't forget, shoot us an email and we will send out your $100 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card.
0: For all the other Bass Nation listeners, Listeners, remember to send in those questions, comments to our email address, support at bassedge.com, or leave us a comment in our social media outlets, Facebook and Twitter.
1: Well, Mike, it was great catching up with you again on a personal level, but more importantly, thanks so much for being on the show and sharing uh, that wealth of information that you gave Bass Edge Nation. Any final thoughts for our Bass Edge listeners? All
3: right, good luck, Steve, with that question and your techniques. Uh, good luck to the listeners out there, and uh, look forward to
0: seeing you guys on the water. Hey, Mike, it's great chatting with you will see up north soon for our next several elite events. Drive safe, buddy. Stay tuned. Fast Edge Radio will return.
2: Bass Edge, Season 3, now on DVD at BassEdge.com.
1: We have certainly had our fair share of to the program the last few weeks here, Kurt. And, uh, man, you can see why these guys are so successful on the Elite Tour.
0: Yeah, you know, it's so fun to get to know some of these newer upcomer guys. You know, we talked to uh, Chris, and then, of course, today we chatted with uh, Mike Kernan. And seeing that transition got a lot of new people coming into the fold, and it's really exciting time for Bass Edge Radio to talk to these new folks, get new ideas, understand how the new game, is being played, but still trying to get those same old success rates moving so uh fun times here at bass edge mike was a great dude man really good to talk to him here filled with knowledge you can tell that mike is very analytical and a really neat way to go about angling again there's so many types of anglers with that you know angler identity we've talked a little bit about in the past but there's going to be some guys that are kind of rolling by the seat of their pants you know chris mentioned that in our last episode and and it seems like mike is really kind of the analytical type so lots of ways to be successful, you just got to figure out the best way for you to catch more bass.
1: That's right and you know a a lot of times we've talked about when people have success in other areas of their lives like Mike has in the business world and where he came out of uh, and then how that basically is applicable to the fishing scene and you take a lot of those same skills that uh, are required in the business market right over into the fishing so very very interesting and certainly appreciate Mike taking time out of his crazy schedule to be on with us here at Bass Edge Radio Bass Edge Nation, also want to thank you for being with us for this episode, episode number 212. Be sure, stay tuned for episode 213 that will be hitting the airwaves August 1st. In the meantime, for Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin. So long everybody, we'll see you next time right here on Bass Edge 3.
2: The Edge is presented by KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil Products, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lowrance, PowerPole, and Rappaholic.com.